podcast here on the athletic podcast network i'm your host sam jam packard professional sports fan and i am joined as always by the kid the god the legend himself celtics beat reporter for the athletic jay king ladies and gentlemen and we are coming to you after a two-game win streak folks clap it up for the boston celtics they won two games in a row and they are now 500 they are 25 and 25 firmly in i think what is it eighth place or seventh place in the Eastern Conference, and Jay, standings I, don't matter. Brad hasn't looked at him in two weeks. He said Brad is a liar, and he lied to your faces. Yeah, that, I didn't buy that one. But Brad also said that uh, back when the vi- everyone was very upset last week, he didn't think it was as bad as uh, kind of the media and everyone was talking about. I was on a similar train. I said the vibes were immaculate. Was I just a week early? No, I've got to go on a rant about that. Brad is the reason why there was so much media backlash. Brad came out after that loss to the Mavericks and just said, basically, this team has not responded to adversity. This team has 12-minute droughts every game where they just don't do the right things. They just get their put their heads down and fail over and over and don't pull themselves out of it for a long time. Brad was the reason why there was so much negative media coverage. And then he says that he didn't agree with the media coverage. Like, bro, do you know why people wrote such negative stories? Because you bashed your team. Of course people are going to write about your your rant against your team because you're the head coach. You rarely rant. When you do, it's a signal that things are wrong. I don't think he is the reason people wrote bad stories. I think it's the fact that they lost two games and looked played so poorly. But you're absolutely right. Brad is normally the most even keel guy. And for him to just be like, yeah, we are we gave up. We just uh we react poorly. We're a bunch of like sore losers. Danny Ainge going on um radio and being like, it's not Brad's fault that these guys are just uh going it alone and abandoning plays. And so yeah, I was surprised to see that quote from Brad Stevens, but and I think that's classic Brad. You never, I think we caught Brad Stevens in a get too low moment. He's all about never get too high, never get too low. But after that Mavericks game, he was a little low. See, I think it was kind of, that was his signal. Like all year long, he's been patient with the Celtics, right? And he's kind of been understanding that there's been a lot on these guys. 
they've been injured. They've been sick. They've had a bad supporting cast. They've come back after barely having an off season. They're playing ton of road games where they're not allowed out of the hotel room and they can't fraternize with every anybody. And so he's been very, to this point, I think, understanding of his team's issues. I think that was his transition from, okay, I've been patient with these guys to wake the fuck up, everybody. This is, it's time. And the key players are healthy again. The the less key players are getting healthy again. And so I think that was his transition to its time. And then the team has has responded over the last two games, albeit against some shitty competition. Well, that was my next question is, did the team respond uh, or did they just get to play the Houston Rockets and then the Charlotte Hornets without Gordon Hayward, LaMelo Ball, or the very streaky Malik Monk? Like, uh, I'm guessing your answer is going to be a little bit of both. Yeah, I mean, obviously it it helped that they played the Rockets who have lost every game for the last seven months and the Hornets who were missing three of their better players. But to me, like just the style that they played, they had 35 assists against the Rockets. They have barely ever reached the 30 assist mark with this team. So even though the competition was ugly, just the style of play that that they were using and the selflessness that they were showing, and then to come back against Charlotte, do it again with 29 assists, launching a ton of three-pointers, which has become a trend lately, a, a good trend, might I add. And, and you can see how Robert Williams joining the starting lineup is opening things up how the other starters getting a little bit of continuity now that everybody's been healthy for a little stretch, how that's helping. And then how big an impact Evan Fournier is having on the bench and just allowing the Celtics to have, you know, a a lot of secondary playmaking on the court at all times, all those factors go into it. So yeah, it was, it was a too, too mediocre to worse than that opponents but the way the Celtics have played and the way they've played offensively now for a little while um, has been promising in a season that that hasn't been very promising just seeing all the wing players around Robert Williams uh, makes the offense feel that much more dynamic and Brad Stevens teams we've talked about this a lot are not great at getting to the rim but just the drive and kick when you have four wings around Robert Williams, it just feels like there's something there. You spread out the floor, you run a pick and roll with Robert Williams, and there's the lob threat there. Or if they at, like drop someone on the weak side, they bring a second defender, you can kick it to an open three-point shooter who's going to be Kemba Walker, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Evan Fournier. Like You have so many guys who can just knock Aiden down. Pritchard catch- even. Yeah, it just can knock down catch-and-shoot threes. And so I thought – Kemba did a great job of kind of finding those um, people after driving. I thought Marcus Smart did a good job. Uh, it just felt like the offense has so much more potential when it is four wings around uh, around Robert Williams, who's just the vertical spacing we talk about, but his decision-making, his passing, he's just been so much better once he's been in the starting lineup. 
I mean, I built in the not having Robert Williams as an excuse for the Mavericks game. I think it's just, it's not a coincidence that their assist rate and their, um, I think, number of three-pointers taken and made goes up when he's in the game. You're off the corn dog train? The corn dog has been a little bit disappointed, not knocking down. He, sh- he needs to knock down every three for uh, the corn dog to be uh, consistent. And he looks like a weird, I don't know why he's wearing like, like mid leg dress sucks. He, I don't know. Something about his look just throws me off when I saw it in person. <laughs> the uh, so yeah, I, I think and and to to me where Fournier has made probably the biggest difference. Obviously, he's hit a ton of threes, but you saw it especially in the Hornets game, where you know this the Celtics Brad Stevens wants to play with ball movement. He wants to play with drive and kicks. He wants to play that type of basketball. And like for most of the season the Celtics have always had one guy, maybe two guys on the court at all times who like you get a sequence of driving kicks going and then it just kind of stops with that guy. And Sometimes it's Shemi Ojale. Sometimes it's Grant Williams. Sometimes it was Daniel Tice when he was playing power forward position. And it's it's like it the the ball movement reached a point where either that last player was either catching an open shot and being not the greatest option to shoot that shot, or catching it and either not knowing what to do with it or not being able to do anything with it. And so now Fournier gets gets in the game and those ball movement sequences, they just reach another level because it gets to him and he can beat a closeout. He can hit a three. He can hit difficult three-pointers. He, he can, you know, curl, like you said, and find Robert Williams. And, and Brad Stevens said it. It's like, not only that, but he requires one of the other team's better defenders on him. And then there's a trickle down effect from that to now everybody else has a a lesser defender on them. And, and now everybody else, like it just makes everything easier for everybody. And, and I think that Fournier has already brought life to the Celtics offense. Like you look at some of the stats, it's kind of, crazy like he's the first Celtics first player to come off the Celtics bench in two straight games and score 17 points in each of those games since the 2018-19 season he's he has at least four three-pointers in each of the last two games the Celtics only have five other such performances off the bench this year Peyton Pritchard has, has four of those so it's like now Peyton Pritchard and Fournier are playing together and it's like, oh, okay. Like this is this is what it's supposed to look like with all guys who can dribble pass and shoot and can keep the flow going and can enhance the flow rather than just like the faucet is shut off when it hits that guy. If you even just look at the minutes distribution, it's just I know Shemi Ojale's been hurt, but Grant Williams is getting what 15 minutes a game, but that's mostly Grant Williams at center. Just like the wing depth has been Huge, and I think it's been great for non-Jason I've Tatum also moments. Like the return of Grant Williams at center. That's his, I think, his best position. Uh, just because if he's out on like ex- 
on the wing, he's probably going to foul the guy who is going against him. That Grant has not been great moving his feet this year, but that's not really the point. I guess the point is you're going to get him more at center, and it's just the minutes distribution, specifically lineups without Jason Tatum. It feels like there's not a big scoring deficiency because uh, earlier in the season uh, without Jason Tatum, it would be, okay, now it's just Jalen Brown one-on-one time. And I think Jalen has done a fantastic job of changing his shot profile where he's just not taking long twos anymore. It's just not really part of his game. It's kind of wild because he was shooting like 80% on long twos earlier in the year, but he's just not no longer forcing that shot. And it just feel, feels like because there's more available players and guys you trust to swing the ball to and, and actually score, especially with Fournier on the court, um, it just feels like it's a much more dynamic offense and you don't have to just like hold your breath when Jason Tatum's on the bench. Your, your team actually has an ability to continue scoring the basketball and you're less likely to go through kind of those lulls that you were going through earlier in the season. Yeah, and I think when when Jalen first said that the team had requested him to stop taking so many mid-range shots, I think a lot of people, at least in my Twitter mentions, were concerned that that would take away what he's most comfortable with. And and really, like, it's only made him more dangerous. You look at the the game log over his last eight or nine games, 34 points, 27 points, 24 points, 18 points, 25 points, 24 points, 22 points, 17 against the Hornets, but he only played 25 minutes. And he's taking a ton of threes. He's making a lot of them. And it's just, like you said, it's just kind of opened up the Celtics offense a little bit, giving them more spacing. And I really think their offense has has come a long way over the last few weeks. You can you could see it happening even before Fournier came. Um, well, Grandy had a crazy stat that they're – since the all-star break have like the best second half offense in the league, which is an insane stat to think about when, cause like when I think of this Celtics team, it's uh, blowing it in the fourth quarter, but in the, since the all-star break, it's really been horrible starts and then having great comebacks. So the great comebacks kind of make sense, but best in the league was something I was very surprised to hear. Yeah. And, and that that's a very good sign from where they were for a while where they just, they didn't seem to trust the offense for a while. And whether it was because some of the personnel, uh, whether it was because, you know, guys were out, guys were injured, coming in and out of the lineup. There were a lot of games when Marcus Martin, Kemba Walker were both out. And it's like, yikes, (laughs) those games are rough. But now it's kind of all coming to fruition. Um, And a lot of those factors have become less. Jason Tatum, you look at his last month, he's been way more efficient than he was when he first came back from COVID. And you look at just kind of the evolution of the entire offense and their their shot profile has gone from one of the last in the league in location effective field goal percentage, which is basically a measurement of how good the shots you're getting are, to over the last few weeks, one of the very best in the league. And so... You know, a lot of knocks on this team, a lot of knocks on Brad Stevens have kind of been cleared up over the past few weeks. And Fournier just kind of enhances everything. I think 
I think obviously when when you when they acquired him, it was it was pretty clear he was going to be a major upgrade over everybody on their bench. But I think when you see it in action, you just realize how much they were missing before and and how much he can add and how much he can really like resuscitate <laughs> because like there were there were dead dark parts of the Celtics offense and it was anytime Jason Tatum was on the bench and that's when you need a bench player to come in and provide you scoring and energy and now it feels like they've found that uh in Fournier yeah and and it'll it'll be harder than it was against Houston it'll be harder than it was against the beaten up Hornets but but just to have a guy that can come off a screen and do anything with it. He can shoot. He can dribble. He can, he can drive. He can he can do anything with it. And that's just something the Celtics haven't had. You can already see that the his teammates really trust him. His teammates want him to get going. And like there was one play when um it was the curl you were talking about with Robert Williams. Jason Tatum was just a decoy on that play. Like they used him as a decoy. He drew a lot of the defensive attention. He opened up the whole middle. And then Fournier was able to come off a screen and make the play. Like how many guys outside of Jalen Brown and Kemba Walker have the Celtics had who Marcus Smart could feed it to them and they could be trusted to either score, draw the defense, feed Robert Williams, do do something like that? Nobody. They wouldn't have called that play. That wouldn't have happened. And so it's just like like darkness has come to light and are you feeling the vibes i feel like i'm overstating the importance (laughs) of fournier right now because because right now he's their sixth man or whatever he is um but compared to what they had before it's just it's night and day how, how much he brings to that offense I think the other thing that is a big impact is the last two games are the first two times that like they've had the core four Robert Williams and Evan Fournier all healthy. And I just think the defense has been at least the defensive intensity has been uh, that much better. I don't know how much to make of it against the Rockets just because the Rockets don't have many that like plus talent players, but against the Hornets, I thought like Terry Rozier came out early and did a pretty good job of just, getting buckets because that's what Terry Rozier does. And then they made a concerted effort to get the ball out of uh, Terry's hands. And uh, the Hornets really didn't score points for the rest of the second quarter, barely scored any in the, uh, the fourth quarter. And I just think the defense, when it when all those guys are uh, very switchable and you have Robert Williams at the rim, uh, just being as dynamic and kind of bouncy and as much as a rim protector he is, it just makes the the defense uh, that much better. It feels like the only option teams have, and it's something the Hornets did a little bit, is trying to pick on Kemba. Because other than that, you can really switch one through four, I guess occasionally one through five, but there's no like go-to way to beat the Celtics offense or defense right now when they're playing these kind of all these wings, long switchable wings, other than, I guess, trying to isolate on Kemba. And that's what some of, we saw the Rockets do some of that. We saw the Hornets do some of that. But I don't think that's a sustainable strategy uh, for an entire game. Yeah, we saw Romeo Lankford season debut against the Hornets. And like you said, wing depth. 
We've been we've been ranting all year about how bad the wing depth has been. And and god damn it, we were right. Uh, <laughs> like in preseason, even it was so obvious like the Celtics just didn't have enough talent, didn't have enough length on the wing. Now Fournier's there. Now Romeo Langford is coming back, and I, I don't know what he'll give the Celtics. But I do know he's six five and long and athletic and can move his feet and has good defensive instincts. And and so he's at at the very least another option if you want to go to a switchy lineup. And and if he if he does show some strides offensively and if he does, you know, as he gets in better shape, become even a better defender than he was as a rookie. Then, then that could be a difference maker too. And then you have just more options to play the six five to six seven guys who can make a defense really difficult. And so the Celtics defense has been short on that all season long. Romeo is a big deal. Fournier is a big deal. Um, and you can see, like as as the Celtics get healthier, and now that they've filled the trade exception with a useful player. You can you can see the vision and you can see why Brad Stevens like just wanted them to get through all the early stuff initially um, because there is something better there and there's something a lot better than the mess that they've played till now. And if if they can continue to, you know, compete and show spirit and stay together, which have been issues this year. Um, but if if getting healthy and getting Fournier and and all that changes that and and gives them a little more resiliency then then that's that's a major deal and this is a team that could be you know pretty good by the time the playoffs arrive and they have the opportunity to get even better as much as i've talked about i guess the deficiencies in tristan thompson's game this year he's much better than mo wagner and luke Cornett. and so if you can transfer the 15 minutes a game of those guys off the bench but is he better than center grant Yes, yes, he is. I know center Grant is better than power forward Grant. I think they're both kind of um, center Grant's more useful if you want to go like fully switching uh, one through five. But I think Tristan Thompson, he's a solid offensive rebounder, solid energy guy. If he can come in, just the elite, like less you have to play Mo Wagner, the less you have to play Luke Cornett. As much as they're uh, immediate folk heroes, I think it's just going to be better. It's interesting for the Celtics, and this is something Brad Stevens mentioned, is like we have a potential to do something. They're, they are 25 and 25 right now. They're in eighth place in the Eastern Conference, but they're only one game back of the Hawks and the Heat, who are in fourth and fifth place respectively in the um, Eastern Conference. So they have 26 games to make a move, to get possibly first round uh, or home court advantage in the first round of the playoffs. Whether or not they can put it together seems to be the big question, but they seem to be at least moving in the right direction, getting all these guys healthy. They have the potential to do so. The question is, what are we going to see from this team um, when they get tested? And I think the the great thing is they're tested immediately this week with back-to-back games against the 76ers with a healthy Joel Embiid or coming back. He will be playing. And then against the Knicks, who are – Tied with them right now, 25 and 25. They got a big 15 you got to worry about. And uh, 
I'm curious, what do you think we should expect from the Celtics in these two games? I am really looking forward to the 76ers game. I am so intrigued by Robert Williams versus Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid is the foul drawing, like use any lack of discipline against you type of big. And Robert Williams in the past has had troubles with that. So I want to see how much he's come against how far he's come against Embiid. And I think, I think that could be a fun matchup. Um, Obviously like the Sixers, they're not a great shooting team. They, the Celtics now are going to shoot a ton of threes. And so it's, it's an interesting clash of styles now that, that I'm really looking forward to. Uh, Do the Celtics have enough size against against those guys? I don't know. Like, they beat the they swept them last year uh in the playoffs and Daniel Tice was their starting center. Like defending Joel Embiid isn't necessarily about size, it's about doubling at the right moments, being in rotation so you basically like I guess Ben Simmons wasn't playing in that playoff series and the Sixers have some better shooters around him now, but it's not just having one big guy go up against Joel in the post. I think that's obviously helpful i think mo wagner has six fouls to waste and i'm excited for him to waste them but it's really about playing on a string and attacking him and doubling him when you can to get the ball out of his hands and so i think they have the potential to do so it's just we've seen especially this year jason tatum i don't think played in those two games uh that they played the sixers uh earlier in the season but Joel Embiid has been dominant against the Celtics this year, and it's going to be very fascinating to see what they can do with him, um, especially in the low block, because they had haven't really had an answer for uh, him so far this season. Yeah, and when I say s- the size against the 76ers, this is going to sound weird, but it's not necessarily the Embiid matchup I'm talking about because he's going to give anyone fits. Like, it doesn't matter if you have the biggest guys in the league. Like, throw Taco Fall on him. Joel Embiid is still going to give him fits. He's just really freaking good. The size to me is more like Ben Simmons is 6'10 and super athletic and very strong. Tobias Harris is 6'8 and strong, and he's going to be involved in pick and roll actions. And so so that to me is like where the size comes in. As, as weird as it sounds, I'm not necessarily talking about Embiid. It's more like the rest of the, the matchups. Um like how how much can those guys take advantage of Kemba? You you talked about you know picking on certain guys. Like the Sixers have a team that could pick on Kemba, or could try to pick on Kemba, could could try to do stuff like that. Um, and and so I'm I'm interested to see. I think it's a very good test for the Celtics defense. Um, and like you have to be sharp against Embiid. You have to be dialed in to the the scouting report and all that. And so this is, this is a good test. It's so weird. When you said test earlier, I was like COVID test. Like that, <laughs> that's where my mind first went. It's been a weird year, man. It's been such a weird year. You know why it's been a weird year? Because the New York Knicks are legitimate playoff threats and have the same exact record as the Celtics. They're Celtics and Knicks are both 25 and 25 right now. The question uh, that I'm curious about and curious to hear your thoughts on is Kemba Walker has not played in any back-to-backs. 
right now, if you're battling in the standings with the Knicks, do you sit him against the 76ers so you have your full roster available against the Knicks, a team where kind of where you are in the standings is going to matter a lot more? I think that is the most loser conversation of all time. All of a sudden, standings don't matter? No, the standings matter, but if if you've decided all year long Kemba's going to sit in the second half of a back-to-back, and then you sit him in in the first half instead because, what, you don't think you have a chance to beat the 76ers, a team you swept in the playoffs last year? Like, that is the most loser no, but you, the talk win, ever the to me. The win against the Knicks is more important. So you want to put your best foot forward against the team so that's more important. So why don't you just beat him without Kemba? Like, it's I, not a be- I think that is the most loser nonsense ever. I think the Celtics have a better chance of winning both games, going 2-0, if they play Kemba against the 76ers because it would really help to be full strength against those guys and then beat the Knicks. Beat the Knicks without Kemba. It's a loser mentality to sit anyone on a back-to-back, but they've already engaged in that like strategy, and so why not do that to the most like strategic way possible? You've I accepted that if, he's if, not going to play in back-to-back games. you tell your team, we don't trust you to beat the motherfucking Knicks without Kemba Walker, you are giving your team excuses, you are building the wrong type of mentality, you are going against what what teams should be trying to build Why does it have there's, to be- there's the argument the argument that oh you got to beat the Knicks well just fucking win some games go on a three game win streak at some point over the next few weeks and you'll probably climb up to fourth or fifth place that's all it's going to take it's not like they have to go you know go 8 800 the the rest of the season They just have to go on like one, three or four game win streak. And that would make a huge difference. Or just stop, stop being 500. Just stop being 500. I think, I think that is, it's puppycock. Puppycock or poppycock? Because it's a big difference. Puppycock. I don't think that's the phrase. (laughs) I don't give a shit what the phrase is. They, they okay, should, but what happens they when they keep, lose to the 76ers doing what you're doing with Kemba. and then they don't have Kemba Walker in the second game when they need a win to stay remain 500 in their so game back of the Knicks? Without him. It's the freaking Knicks. It's the freaking Knicks. They got a big, a big 15 you got to worry about. I'm just saying, man, it's the freaking Knicks. Like, okay, say it wasn't the 76ers. Say it was they are playing some Western Conference team. and it like, Doesn't legitimately- matter. Doesn't matter. I think it builds a wrong mentality. If if you're telling your team we don't trust you to beat the Knicks without fucking Kemba Walker, we we think we have to. It's not about to trust change the strategy like we've had all year because you can't beat the fucking Knicks. It's just declaring that one game is more important than another game in terms of standings, which I think is like blatantly obvious. So why not in that one game, which is clearly more important? You put your full roster forward. I don't think it's like declaring to your team that you don't trust them. It's just saying this Knicks game's pretty important. We've already made a decision about Kemba Walker not playing in back to backs. We're going to choose to put our best team forward in the game that we feel is more important. Loser talk. A le- legitimate, like just smart person thinking out loud talk. That's all it is. I think it's loser talk. I mean, you, there's an argument for it. I think it's a shitty argument.
and I know people are probably this take probably isn't in line with most of my takes, but I just think it's loser talk. All right. I mean, so do you expect what do you expect from the Celtics this week, considering they're not going to have because this is Brad pretty much agrees with you. He's never really done this like selective lineups based on opponent type thing. I think he talked about maybe doing it later in the season, but it's not something he's generally done. They're probably going to play the 76ers full strength and then not and then play the Knicks without Kemba Walker. What do you expect from them in those two games? I don't know. <laughs> this is a team <laughs> that has been so inconsistent. They the one thing they've been consistent, they've been consistently bad against the best teams. And and that that's why I think the 76ers game is is a very good gauge. And and that's why I think to some extent playing Kemba in that game is important because what's the Celtics record against top 10 teams with top 10 net, net ratings? I forget what it is. It's horrible. I looked at it recently. It is horrible. They have had one of the worst defenses in the league against those teams. They have been getting railroaded by those teams. But they've also been getting railroaded by the Pistons, the Cavs, the They Sacramento actually have a pretty Kings. good record against the bottom 10 net rating. I think they were 10-6 and six before the last two games, so they're probably 11-6 and six now since the Hornets are not in that group. Um, but so it, it's been more of a discrepancy probably than you think. Um, and I just think like this is a, it's a good, good game for them to, to see where they are and see what they need to work on, see how they match up with the 76ers who they could potentially see in the second round of the playoffs. And I just, I just think you, you can't be ducking and hiding people when, when you've been talking all year about how you need resiliency and, and how you, you need to develop that type of mindset. You can't be sitting Kemba Walker and and hiding him against one of the best teams in the league. And beyond that, I think Kemba would be pissed off. And I think I just think it's it's loser talk. What if it was the last week of the season and the Knicks game was the final game and the uh, 76ers game was again a Western Conference opponent and you needed it for the standings. You're doing it then, or are you just against it all messing with the it, it might be different if if it's like Last game of the year, four or five. So, with, so caring about the schedule and alignment only matters. With thirty in, games left, who knows what the fuck could happen? Twenty six games left. A, a win is a win is a win against people who are directly in that four through eight. Uh, who you we were competing against? Like wins against those people matter more than games against the rest of the league. Just go direct- out and prove you can beat a, a good team. How about that? Prove you can beat a good team. Then handle the Knicks without Kemba Walker. Are you afraid of like the Marcus Smart Alfred Payton matchup? Ooh. I'm, I'm afraid of that Emmanuel Ooh. quickly. Well, I don't know. I have more faith in the Celtics now. We have not seen them in a back to back with Fournier, and so maybe the scoring has a, a little bit less of a drop off now that they have kind of more wing options. But we shall see. It was just a question, Jay. Just you trying to fa- just trying to facilitate discussion here on the podcast. Yeah, I just I just think it's loser talk. I'd be okay. pissed off if I were a player on the team and they told me we're not going to give you a good shot against as good a shot as you can have against the 76ers because we're going to totally ignore everything we've done to this point so that we have a better shot at beating the fucking Knicks. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, anything else you want to bring up from the last two games before we go on to the world famous potable six pack? No. 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 All right. 
let's do it. Let's talk about the world famous potable six pack brought to you by our good friends at night shift, specifically the Santilli IPA brewed on the Santilli highway over in Everett. Night shift is a wonderful beer. It's a wonderful product. The Santilli is delicious. And if you want some Santilli IPA near you, just find out where it's sold. Go to nsbeer.co. Santilli, 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 Santilli. <laughs> yes. If you have that stuck in your head from now on. Santillionaire, Santillionaire. If you need that Santilli, go to nsbeer.co. Slash beer finder, find out where it's sold. Also, if you're in the Boston area, night shift will deliver to you so you can get that Santilli straight to your door. Jay King, you get the first pick in the potable six pack. What are you talking? What are you taking uh, from the last two Celtics games? Evan Fournier's three point explosion. I don't think that's the most important thing. From the last two games, I don't even think it's the most important Fournier thing from the last two games, but it was electric. <laughs> the man just stopped missing three-pointers. And I didn't even realize it at the time against the Rockets game because it was kind of a boring game. It was it was basically over, and it was like, yeah, M48 just hit six straight three-pointers. And you could see how it energized the team. Kemba Walker started going nuts. Robert Williams said afterward that his one goal was to get Fournier untracked. I love that from Robert Williams. Just saying, like he was like he's not a he's not a point guard, but his main focus was getting Fournier going. I love that. Yeah, that was great. Robert Williams, he'll surprise you. He'll surprise you. He really will. Uh, so I've appreciated Robert Williams's maturation and that that Fournier explosion. Ten straight, ten straight threes over two games, and and some of them were pretty tough. Some of them were like. He got he was was smart to get open and he's gonna help a lot. I like that the Celtics record for straight threes made is Scott Wedman, and it took him over three months to make 11 threes in a row. I thought that was a nice little nugget from the broadcast uh last night. My most important thing coming over the past couple of days from Celtics land didn't happen in a game. Not a game, not a game, not a game. Practice. Instagram live. And the the truth, oh God. Oh God. Paul Pierce, you're just waking up on wherever that was Saturday morning and seeing the truth just having a good time. Eyes, um, I stay red like a high-ass demon, to quote the great Ra Reese. Um, but Paul Pierce, having a blast on Instagram Live, never thought I'd see it from the truth, but uh, it was it was definitely notable. I don't know what other adjective to put it, but it felt like it belongs in the potable six-pack. Paul Pierce went full Terry Rozier. Remember when Terry went to the strip club and and put it on Instagram? Yes. Don't put Paul it on Pierce. Instagram Live. He went no. full Tito. It, it was incredible. Absolutely incredible. I don't know why he decided to do that. I don't know if he thought it was private. I don't know if what the deal was. But his tweet, as everyone was going crazy, and he just said, like, good morning, was just fantastic. <laughs> it was just... I think he read the room. He knew what was going on, and he knew he couldn't fix it. And he's like, you know what? Good morning. And, yep. Good. He had, seems like he had a great night and a good morning, and so shout out to the truth for just uh, having a blast. Um, my second pick, uh, this is a tough one. I'm going to just go with uh, – I thought um, Sean Grandy was great on the broadcast uh, against the Hornets, and – Shout out to Sean Grandy for being uh, 
just being very good. People forget that he's a very a professional broadcaster who has stooped low enough to do play-by-play for you eating McDonald's. But the man is a, a legend in his craft, and I just was very pleasantly uh, – so, I don't want to say surprised, but I enjoyed him on the broadcast on Sunday night uh, going toe-to-toe with uh, the Hornets broadcaster who's just absolutely insane. Uh, um, and so I'm just giving a, giving a shout-out to the broadcasters here for my second pick. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm sure in no way can calling a Celtics game compare to to calling my vomit. Um, but that said, he did a great job. I thought he was awesome. I think he's the obvious choice to succeed Mike Gorman whenever that time comes. Um, hopefully not soon because I'm a huge Gorman fan too. But Grandy's fantastic. One of the very, very best to do it. And and it was on display. I thought he and Scal had a good rapport. It was it was a good broadcast. It was a good broadcast. It was good times. All right, your your second and third pick. Uh... it was a tough two games because they weren't very competitive, and so I feel like my note taking just takes just plummets when it's like, oh, this game's in hand. I'm no longer going to be like locked in, and so I don't have as much potable six pack fodder right now. Yeah, there's there's not not as much fodder going on. What should I pick? What should I pick? Um, Romeo, Romeo debut. How could I pick anything else? How could I not instantly pick Romeo's debut? It has been a long time since Romeo Langford took the floor. The man cannot really smell right now after he still can't smell uh, yeah can't smell after a, a pretty bad taste of covid or bad case of covid he stepped on the line instantly like <laughs> like first thing he did when he got in the game was just step on the line and then he was solid he hit a three he had a great 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 contestant block at the rim he kept Devonte graham in front of him and forced a very tough shot like I said, I, I don't know what he'll bring to the Celtics, but he didn't have any jelly legs. He lo- his legs looked to be solid in his 12 minutes. He said he wasn't exhausted. I think it's a good first step. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a solid 12 minutes. Solid 12 minutes from Romeo Langford. So we'll give it to him. Must have been fun for him to get out there. It's been, it had been a long fucking time, man, since the Heat, early in the Heat series, right? He played like like two minutes in one of those games. Yeah, and then immediately broke then his wrist again. Shut him down, yeah. Um, so, Romeo. Wherefore out there, Romeo, in the motherfucking lineup. <laughs> uh, and then I'm going to go with uh, Robert Williams' passing. He made a couple of passes in that Rockets game. That's just like he saw a dude cross court and then just instantly fired it. And and that's it's not a skill that probably a lot of people talk about, but just the the ability to see a player open and then to instantly throw it and to kind of process that information very quickly is rare for a big man. But he's got the passing instincts. Like he's like you talked to earlier in the episode, just like ball movement. He's like that 0.5 mentality of just like he immediately gives the ball up. And it seems like he's making a lot of the right reads uh, when he gets the ball. Uh, 
towards the basket. Just like in ter- anytime guys are around him uh, and there's two guys on him, he seems to find the right guy and is, is processing all of that like extremely quickly. I still can't believe how much he's improved his conditioning because that's that's made it all come together for him. When he he couldn't even like really sprint into a a screen when he first started playing with the Celtics, he was one of the worst screen setters. Now he's out there, everything is sharp, everything has purpose, and and he brings a level of that stuff to the Celtics that that they don't always have. And so he he's made a huge huge difference. And I think stepping like he's not going to give up that starting spot. There's no way Brad can go back to Tristan Thompson in the starting lineup after the way Robert Williams has played. I just don't see that happening. Um, it's kind of like, obviously you don't want Tristan Thompson to have COVID, but this was a good, good time for him to be out. Um, because it, it went from transition from Daniel Tice to he's gone instead of having to, you know, talk about with Tristan Thompson, have a tough discussion. Like we're going to start Robert Williams. Like Robert Williams has just been starting and playing great. And Tristan Thompson, if if he's even has eyes, can look out and see, oh, okay. Like that that dude deserves a starting spot. And it's not just his passing, it's also just his finishing around the rim when that are not lob dunks. Like it just feels like he has such a soft touch and he's just going stretches where it's just like, oh, he's made 10 in a row. He is having stat lines where it's like nine for nine from the field and also giving you like eight rebounds and five blocks. So a lot of uh, shout out to the Dime Lord for doing that. Now, honorable mention, I should have mentioned it when you pick Evan Fournier, but I did like Fournier saying when he had his first good game, I didn't see the actual clip. I just saw people tweet about it in, uh, on Twitter. So I have no idea what his voice actually sounds like, but I liked him saying that he was going to go and drink some French wine and have a great nice sleep. I just he imagined- said nothing about French wine, did he? Yeah, he did. Obviously, you weren't paying attention. He said he was going to have uh, some a glass of wine mm-hmm. uh, and emphasized it was French wine and said he was going to have a great night's sleep after the Rockets game. So someone just wasn't doing their job uh, at all. I guess team transcribed, uh, you skipped that one. No, I didn't skip it. I was there. I listened. I have a quote from Jay King tweeted out by you. It feels even better that we got the win. It's my first win as a Celtics, and I just – and it's just good overall night. I'm going to enjoy my glass of wine tonight and sleep really well. Yeah, just glass of wine. Said nothing about French in that quote. I saw some other things that said that it was French, but maybe I'm making that up. Um, we'll we'll find out. We'll go to the tape. But that's just an honorable mention. My last pick has to be the king of the fourth, Isaiah Thomas, signed a 10-day contract with New Orleans Pelicans. Just glad to see him back in the league. Hope he's able to get some minutes and show and earn himself a contract for next year. Uh, just a huge fan, the little guy. He's been on that slow grind, and it's just cool to see him back in the league. He, he's just awesome. Just a great person. And, like, his run uh, into the playoffs that year is just, like, the most fun I've had watching basketball. And so I'm always going to be an Isaiah Thomas fan and just excited for him to kind of finally get back and get a chance to hopefully prove himself. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Like, that is really fantastic. That dude has been through so much. He was so close to a $150 million-plus contract. He was fifth in MVP voting. He was a two-time All-Star. He was peaking as an athlete, and 
and really setting up the Celtics franchise for great success. He changed that team when he first got there. He helped convince Al Horford and Gordon Hayward to go there. He was a huge, huge piece of the Celtics success. And then it just like one tough bit of luck after another, after another, after another. And so to see him back in the league is just awesome. And to know like he's been he's been out of the league for what, a year plus now? Yeah. And and a lot of guys who have gotten to that level and then fall off and and fall away from you know the the spotlight a lot of those guys just give up and they either go and finish their careers overseas or just decide to stop playing Isaiah kept grinding man he got a hip surgery he played for team USA with like a bunch of guys you've never heard of and so I just appreciate the the commitment to the grind that that he's shown and it hasn't ever been easy for him and and that's that's kind of part of his charm but but I hope it gets easier for him I, I hope he finds great success I hope he's able to latch on and get a longer contract and and kind of just just be healthy for a while and and get get back some of what he was before yeah it's gonna be exciting I hopefully he gets minutes it's not just one of those 10 days where he rides out on the bench but with the Pelicans I think they can need all the help they can get right now. And so hopefully he gets a chance and we shall see hopefully good things to come for Isaiah Thomas, hopefully good things to come for the Celtics as they take on the 76ers and the Knicks. We'll see if they can just man up like Jay King wants them to and win two games in a row. Uh, if they do, we'll be here to talk about it. And hopefully before, before you continue, I just want to say you slandered me for not paying attention during Fournier's. You were just making shit up again. I just went and read the whole transcript. There was nothing about the glass of wine being French. I mean, I saw one tweet about it. I don't know if it was true, but yeah, you're the reporter, man. I'm just a professional sportsman. It's not my job to get it right. It's you did you did your job in correcting me and keeping the record straight, but uh, it's not my job to fact check. I'm just going on feelings. He did say French wine. I apologize. That was on me. What? Okay, so take it all back. I take it back. All right, that's fair. That's you know what? That's the kind of honesty you get. On accountability. We're an accountable podcast. I'm the professional sports fan. Jay is the beat reporter, and that's the formula that we're, that works. And that's why the fans out there love it. And that's why they continue listening. And that's why they subscribe, rate us five stars wherever you get podcasts, share, interact with us on Twitter. Everything that's helpful and helpful for the algorithm. Please continue to do that and. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of Anything is Possible!